I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and today's phenomenal episode, I got to have my homeboy, Mr. Aubrey Marcus, on the show. Aubrey is the founder and CEO of on it, a total human optimization company that I go on about excessively in the social media world. Uh, so you guys are probably already quite familiar with that. He just recently wrote a book that I find to be pretty fascinating called Own the Day, Own Your Life, and gets into how we can optimize various practices, everything from well, reading the, the, the book cover right now, waking, working, learning, eating, training, playing, sleeping, and sex. We get into all that business in this conversation. Really phenomenal stuff. Uh, I have a lot of adoration and respect for Mr. Marcus, and so stoked to get to share this conversation with y'all here is a little clip and that's a big problem that people in our industry have you know they'll read a book like wheat belly they'll have grown up italian eating pasta and pizza their whole yeah. life and then they have a bite of wheat and they're on the floor rolling around holding their stomach yeah. and you're like yeah that's not the fucking gluten that's your fucking mind Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com. If you are drawn to that little mofo, you will find show notes for this and the rest of the episodes. And uh, you can start the five-day movement challenge. Start integrating optimal movement function into your body in every flipping situation of your life. Every moment is an opportunity to train our bodies, train our minds. If we have the right education and then slap a little intention into that, all of a sudden we can start moving really well. Um, I don't have any quotes. This is a kind of a roundabout release of the podcast. So Aubrey's releasing conversation with, with me on the Aubrey Marcus podcast today. And I had agreed on that end that I would release his on the same day. And so Wednesday release special, special release here. Uh, so minimal preparation. We're just throwing this thing out in the world. I hope you guys love it. And I hope you guys go over and check out the other side, check out Aubrey's podcast. It is one of the few that I really enjoy listening to myself so I think that's that's about what we got here um, check out on the the Instagrams posted up a fun ridiculous image with Aubrey and I that got a lot of love from y'all so check that out, out at Align Podcast and I'm gonna read a quick review and then send if you guys if I read your review this is the last thing if I read your review on here we will send you out a box of something from Organifi if you ever buy Organifi supplements um, and use the align code you get 20% off on their website um, review the life is a life <laughs> the life is a life changer this is a life changer five stars by Mr. Chris Dufay I know Chris personally he's a phenomenal human being so this is a high compliment being a podcaster myself for over three years I can be picky with what I want to listen to Aaron does an amazing job giving you real practical and useful information that I've used to improve my life. If you're smart, dot, 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 you'll subscribe and soak in what Aaron has for you. Exclamation point. Chris, I know you're my homie and I appreciate that. And we're going to send you out some stuff if you get after it. If you actually listen to this, this is how I know if you listen to the podcast. Um, 
Thanks for sharing. Thanks for getting involved and uh, supporting this, this movement of helping people be better in their bodies. We can make a difference. <laughs> that was cheesy. All right, here we go. Back to the show. Bam! Align Podcast. Trying to uh, <laughs> Got it. Keep, it, keep it impressive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect. Just fucking podcast already, man. We know how to, we know what we're doing. So, anyways, thanks so much for making this happen, man. Fuck yeah, man. I'm, I'm, glad, you're, I'm glad you're out. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I have been enjoying the book, and I've been curious upon reading it. I feel like my perception of you is mostly from like Aubrey Marcus, kind of like Dos Equis, man of supplements. Like it seems like what I get from you is this image. I'm curious, what was the image before? on it and all that. Was there a kind of a consistency of personality in that or has this changed you quite a bit? Well, I think there's an evolution as you grow older and as you transition out of certain phases, you know, I think leading up to the foundation of on it, I was pretty unhappy because I knew I had a greater purpose than what I was doing. You know, I was screwing around. I had a marketing company. I was selling everything from, you know, fake vagina sex toys to gold mines <laughs> oil and gas to skincare all kinds of doing stuff all across the board and nothing was satisfying because it wasn't my own product i didn't believe in the mission of the companies that i was working uh, to sell their products for mm. so i transitioned that into working out hard and partying my dick off and that was pretty much the the plan for you know aubrey marcus 1.0 and and you know that was my life before then. So I had a reputation as that, you know, I still had the spiritual tendencies. I mean, I went on my first vision quest when I was 18. So I was 12 years deep into my own experiential spirituality before on it. And that was always a part of me, but there was also a, you know, current of deep kind of unhappiness and anxiety about where I was in life and what I was contributing to the planet that, you know, kind of drove me towards, uh, some different forms of escapism. What was the, the spirit quest? at 18. So, yeah, I mean, our family grew up, you know, pretty atheist and that was reinforced when I went to the dungeons of the inquisition in Italy, which was, you know, and as everybody knows, the inquisition was the Catholics going out and punishing and torturing heretics or anybody they thought was a witch or anybody they didn't like, you know, just a rampant abuse of power in the name of God. Um, using that in certainly in quotations, cause there was nothing short of demonic torture devices in this dungeon and, you know, just kind of thinking about all of the wars and all of the strife that religion has caused. And then not only that, but seeing it played out as I went to high school here in Texas and saw people horribly shamed and horribly guilty for their natural sexual impulses. I was like, you know, screw this. And so I became like an even more staunch atheist. And then, you know, um, I went on a vision quest in the mountains and took some psilocybin and, uh, I didn't know psilocybin at the time and it was a mushroom tea with a shaman and felt my body evaporate. And when my body evaporated and I realized that there was something still there, my consciousness or my spirit or whatever that was, I started to go, Oh shit. Well, I guess maybe I got half of the equation right in that religions did abuse power and did miss, you know, guide things the wrong way. Right. But there's something more to life than this body. And I just felt it and I just experienced it. And now I'm going to have to figure this shit out. Mm. How do you carry that kind of separation from. So you feel like you were 
kind of lost or feeling like like uh, tormented and or feeling like kind of attached to this body or attached to expectations has there been some kind of like ongoing practices of kind of unwinding that shit or is that something that's been an ongoing kind of luggage that's been carried around well, for years? I mean, it, it's been really, I have carried a bunch of luggage and a bunch of shit and I've had a variety of offloading techniques, you know, any, any way that I can still the mind and get in touch with the big now that, you know, kind of presence, um, tap into that either flow state or tap into that meditative state you know, that's great. But probably the biggest thing is I'm, I'm really living my purpose now. You know, my podcast is reaching a lot of people. This company that I built is serving a lot of people in a lot of great ways and inspiring people. And so, you know, when you're living your purpose, it's naturally feels a lot better for the heart. And then it's just about working on the mental processes that are self-defeating, uh, those points of resistance that come up, those fears, you know, fear being that one virus at the root of everything figuring out how to deal with that and um, continuing to push myself towards greater truths and greater happiness. You're familiar with John Demartini? Mm -mm. Oh, he's good, man. I recommend him. He's got a kind of an interesting haircut, but he's a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous dude. Um, but one of the things he gets into, he has a super, super interesting background where his body was completely destroyed, essentially. Like so many people, they come from places of you know, extreme handicap and that's yeah. ends up being their, their gift essentially. But, he talks about focusing on your values and kind of letting go of the other parts. I feel like most of us were so stuck adding energy into all these stupid little superfluous bullshit activities. And we have maybe like 10% of our energy to actually go into our, our value or our purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, have you yep. defined any degree of like what the hell Aubrey is doing here? What, totally. what are the highest values for you? Yeah. It's something that, you know, I, I write, I reiterate in my journal, you know, every night is like, what is, what is my mission? And my mission is to have a lot of fun, help other people have fun too, and do that by expanding human consciousness. You know, we really are the gowlers of our own prison. Like we have the keys to unlock so much of our own mental suffering and our own grief and enjoy this, you know, really this kingdom of heaven. Now I'm using a religious term after being atheist my whole life, but seeing this, this life here on this planet, and the availability we have to move, to play, to eat, to meet people, to interact, to enjoy this experience. I mean, this is the kingdom of heaven if we get our mind out of the way mm. and can really enjoy it. And of course, if I know, I understand there's extenuating circumstances. People all get all flustered, like, well, what if you're fucking held captive? Like, I get it. There's some shitty situations. But for most of us, you know, really, it's our own mind and our own self-defeating thoughts that are preventing us from like incredible joy and incredible bliss. And I was, I know, cause I was one of those people, you know, yeah. I've been in places that are heavenly all around me and been in immense suffering myself. And I've found the keys to the locks to let myself out of that cage. What does the fear look like for you these days? Are you familiar with it? Yeah, man. I think uh, it's less and less. I mean, I've gone like headlong into the fears, right? Like open relationship, another great example. You know, like that is deep insecurity, you know, deep um, challenge to the ego. And the ego is really where a lot of these fears generate. You know, it's always seeking validation because it doesn't have a real grounding root in anything. It's just a projection of the mind, this this identity that we try and carry and defend. So it's constantly looking for validation and open relationship is going to challenge the hell out of that, you know, and it's going to really challenge your own worth and, and all of these things. And I think that's been a really 
powerful tool like a grindstone to sharpen my own spirit against the forces of fear and um, you know working on fears in my own body you know that's another level that I'm really trying to get through the fear of suffering in my body either through illness or through injury or something along those lines uh, but you know I just look at these fears as things that you know obstacles to be overcome and in the overcoming comes the gift of the strength to overcome them and becomes that superpower and also becomes the ability for me to talk to other people about them so you know there's still fears lurking around somewhere in the shadows and whenever i see them whenever i spot them sometimes with the help of some psychedelics sometimes with the help of introspection i yeah. spot them i go hunt for them and i go uh, see if I can find the right key to unlock them. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, we kind of see, we don't see the present moment, we just kind of see things through the filter of our past. And I'm reading a book by Joe Dispenza, actually, that's a lie, I'm not reading, I'm listening to a book by Joe Dispenza right now, You mm -hmm. Are the Placebo. Yeah, it's a great book. Have you gotten into that one? Oh yeah, finished it, it's incredible. Yeah, so chapter two or three or whatever it is, it just gets into all these scientific, like, case study after case study of how the power of placebo or the power mm -hmm. of our mind yep and it's just really fascinating to me that to get into the awareness that when we see the world we don't see the world for what it is we see the world through the filter of our past yeah you know so starting to have that conversation of oh, okay cool like I'm kind of catching up with myself. There's always this race of what's actually happening here and the momentum of the wave that is all that and coming to terms with that seems like. Yeah, something. at a certain point, you know, like the great Toltec spiritual masters and a lot of different people, you know, they all talk about it at a certain point. You can just dump your past and just be like, oh, yeah, that was me of yesterday. I'm different now. You know, like yeah. that's my favorite quote of all time is that quote from Heraclitus. Um, no man steps in the same river twice for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. Like right. at any given point, you can just say, oh, yeah, that was the old me. This is the new me. New me's operating under different rules. And it'll take other people maybe a little while. Like people like to think of you as the past self because they like consistency. And I've certainly challenged, you know, people in that way. And, um, you know, and sometimes you think you're you're on a new <laughs> you think you're on a new level, and then you retreat back to an old one. Nothing is a straight line, yeah. but yeah, at any point you can just kind of drop the past and decide who you want to be for the future. That's the power of the mind. Now the body is a little slower. The body takes a little bit more nurturing. You know, it kind of bends to the light. You know, like a like a tree branch will bend to the sun. Like roots go down, searching for water. It'll go a little slower than the mind, but the mind can decide who you want to be at any given point. And that's something that people will try and tell you that is not possible, but it totally is. And I've seen it happen and I've done it myself, sometimes successfully, sometimes I've been kidding myself, but you know, I, I know that it's possible because I've done it. Yeah. What are practices that you're doing on a daily basis? Like what sticks for you? <clears throat> for me, it's an accumulation of a lot of different things. You know, there's not like one smoking gun. I kind of have to throw the whole kitchen sink at it. So that's a combination of regular exercise, like regular breathing practices, regular cold or heat exposure, you know, solid nutrition, you know, um, and then some form of mindfulness, generally a nap. It's going to be super helpful for me yeah. throughout the day, um, you know, and then every once in a while. I kind of binge and I'll either fast for a few days and do some kind of retreat that way or a juice cleanse or a psychedelic journey or something that really 
helps me go to even deeper territory where I can really hunt for those deeper fears and unravel some of the things that in my conscious mind I'm unaware of. Mm. In the Joe Dispenza stuff, something that was kind of making me percolate was the idea of this, this placebo stuff and a lot of the dis-ease that we create in ourselves is we're creating in, our, in ourselves. You know, and a lot of the work that we're doing, oftentimes the work is almost in the way of us getting into ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah. It was like we're on this ongoing thing. We can have the perfect supplement, and I have the perfect this, the perfect right. that. And it's like that's a fucking illusion. Because a lot, well, a lot of it's fear-based too, right? Like if you don't do it, we're afraid of the outcome, right? So we're actually just bathing ourselves in fear. I had that real insight recently. You know, I I tend to wash my hands a lot, and I had this insight where I was like, okay, so maybe I get a modicum improvement in germ protection by washing my hands, but I'm literally bathing myself in fear and vulnerability every time I do that. <laughs> You're like, oh, let me wash some fear and vulnerability all over my hands. Let me physically signal to my body that it's you know, available to get ill at any given moment from the environment that's full of all these harmful things. You know, And that's, that was a really strong realization. Now, have I completely transcended that need to over sanitize my hands? No, but I'm mindful of it now and I'm transitioning out of that because, of course, like maybe every once in a while I'll knock a I'll knock a germ off my hands. But the repeated <laughs> the repeated behavior of just reinforcing that fear and that that idea that I could get sick at any given moment, <laughs> like it's definitely a net loss. Yeah. Yeah. And then with that, ironically, the individual knocking the bacteria off their hands ends up, folks say that th there could be a correlation of that to like autoimmune disease. In fact, that you could almost look at that as being an autoimmune disease in and of itself. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up. But yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, if we can kind of like bathe in our own dirt a little bit, yeah. all of a sudden we come to a point where it's like, okay, like I, I think there's something, there is some health value there and just that acceptance. If you can accept the thing in, all of a sudden you can like take a breath and oh, mm. you're not continually holding yourself in this straitjacket, keeping yourself from experiencing yeah, the world. Looking around the world, like everything in the world is dangerous, yep. you know, and like everything in the world is going to fucking kill you. And that's a big problem that people in our industry have. You know, they'll read a book like Wheat Belly. They'll have grown up Italian eating pasta and pizza their whole yeah. life. And then they have a bite of wheat and they're on the floor rolling around holding their stomach. Yeah. And you're like. Yeah, that's not the fucking gluten. That's your fucking mind. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, sure. Maybe there's some things in there, you know, that you want to worry about and sprouted is better and fermented is better. But your mind is what's fucking you up right now. Mm. And that's something that a lot of people don't do enough work around. Is a psychedelic medicine? Has that been one of the, the highest leverage points for you? Yeah, because I'm a like really stubborn knuckleheaded monkey. You know, I need like a fucking sledgehammer to knock me out of my own way, and I need a heavy sledgehammer too. You know, I'm not a microdose guy. I'm like a macrodose guy, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's been incredibly, incredibly valuable for me. Now, I don't recommend that to everybody. I mean, it's in certain cases, it's really a trial by fire, and you have to really pick the right set and the right setting, the right intention, the right medicine at the right time with the right integration. Like a lot of things have to go right for that to be a valuable tool. Um, but for me, I wouldn't be fucking a fraction of who I am if it wasn't for that. I mean, yeah. I know that unequivocally. Yeah, the set setting thing, I think, is a really big part 
Yeah, could, is there any kind of like what's a, what's an ideal set setting for you? What, what could that look like? Well, it depends on the intention. First of all, I mean, you want somebody there, um, especially if you're starting out. You know, you want somebody there who's a really solid guide, yep. and that guide needs to be really clean in their energy, not trying to push too hard, not attached to the outcome, but who really knows the medicine and can kind of hold the space is what you would call it. And that's really important because at a certain point, you know, if you're wondering like. Like a lot of the bad trips, like the bad experiences yeah. are because you're wondering, like, am I going to die? Did I take too much of this shit? Right. Is this is am I OK? Are the cops going to come get me? You know, like those are the questions that are running through your head. And that just distracts you from doing any actual useful work. So setting that is like the very baseline. And I think a lot of people, they also just do too much and do it in the wrong environment. You know, minimum effective dose applies to any medicine. Yeah. You know, you want to do just enough to get the the results that you're looking for and not overdose it so that's also very important i mean i tend to go to a traditional context you know to do most of my medicine work like shamans that have been working with the medicine for a long time or a clinical context where it's a psychiatrist or a um you know some kind of doctor who's administering i've been fortunate to do both um but in either case you know it can be Pretty incredibly valuable. Yeah. How about microdosing versus macros? <clears throat> I mean, microdosing is not something I have a ton of experience with, and I've found that it's it's mildly helpful. But I'm not. I think that's more helpful for people who have like perhaps depressive tendencies and other conditions that are kind of underlying that they're dealing with every day. Maybe some kind of generalized anxiety disorder, some kind of depression, um, where you're just taking a sub noticeable amount of something to help subtly alter your neurochemistry. Like really what I'm doing when I take psychedelics is I'm hunting for truth at the end of the spectrum. Yep. You know, I'm hunting for a massive pattern interrupt of like some thought pattern, some loop that I can burst out of into a new reality of even deeper truth and then come back and reintegrate that into my whole paradigm. Hmm. So that's been the primary utilization for me. Um, but again, that's, that's for me because that can be, if you do that too fast, if you burst too many layers of your paradigm, then all of a sudden your brain is just like, you know, fucking, uh, turkey chili, you know, and you're just like, what the hell is going on here? You know, you're scrambled, all scrambled up. Is that a garbanzo bean? Like, I don't even know what's going on in here. Yeah. It's almost like you need this, the scaffolding to keep up with the, with the right. building. Right. You, know, you need to have the support group. You need to have the environmental shift. I think that's something that happens with myself, a lot of people where you have some type of big download or whatever, but then your environment doesn't really change yeah. or you're not actually set up in such a way that you can create any of that change that you saw with your experience. So now you're just back to where you're at. Yeah. yeah so having that balance between what you actually do in your sober reality and that, that experience, have you seen that transition happen with you? Well, for sure. And also because I've been dragging my environment with me, you know, and right. that's part of, you know, that's part of uh, the blessing that I have to be in the position that I'm in, that my inner circle, you know, those people who are closest to me are all, you know, kind of bonded by a lot of the same rituals. You know, we've all right. gone down to Peru together, not all, but all gone down to Peru together, all done ceremony together, all experienced medicines together, all gather, not just for partying or 
you know, working out, but also for, you know, conscious ritual gatherings to explore different concepts and, you know, dinners where we're exploring different philosophical ideas. Like we'll, we'll push ourselves in that direction so that when any of us have some kind of ecstatic or breakthrough experience, you know, we have a whole support group that's there to understand, to see them, to acknowledge them and help hold people accountable to that next level. Yeah. What's the vision here in your, yourself in the next five, 10 years? It's a big question. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, I want to live in greater, greater accord to the laws of love and truth and what I know now to be God, which is just the synonym for those former two words, love and truth, you know, and just really actually, you know, to be honest, man, uh, us hanging out in California was significant for me hmm. um, in that. I think I had one of the missing pieces was to really, truly own elevating my body to the level of divinity and not kind of um, leaving it as like a transitionary piece. But the meat, saying the like, meat body is what yeah, right. I'm like, fucking miss right. the part of the meat body. <laughs> Respect the meat body. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, while it's here, while it's here, it's sacred. Yeah. You know, and and it doesn't mean that you should get overly attached to it because it's sure as shit going to be gone. Yeah. You know, so you can't hang everything on it and make it overly important. But while it's here, it's it's your home. And and I think really respecting your home in that way, you know, it's like it's like if all you did was call your house like, oh, that shitty place I lived for a little while, <laughs> right. you know, instead of calling it your home. Right. It's where I know? do my business. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go back to that fucking shitty place. It's always <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> and I'm going to go sleep there. You know, like, no, it's your home. Like you want to like really own that. And I've always tried to take care of it, but I haven't really owned that, yeah. you know, because I think there's been some fear around it again. You know, I, I used to get sick a lot as a child and still my immune system has its challenges innately. Um, mm. And I think it created a lot of fear around my body and it created this desire for me to create distance. So as I've been working since, you know, we saw each other really kind of putting that back as a central focus of like what is sacred about being alive and really work through and address those fears in the body yeah. uh, has been a valuable practice. What's popped sure. up? Well, I think that I think that there's always been an intermediary communicator between my consciousness, my higher self, my divine self, you can call it a billion different things, but that thing that transcends this lifetime, that part of me and my body have always had a, a translator and that translator was my ego. And so that both were communicating through this like really faulty, deluded, like the worst, the worst communicator would be like two adults trying to communicate through a three year old, <laughs> you know, like, OK, go tell so-and-so <laughs> this and the translator. Yeah. And the three year old just wants to fucking eat sugar and get scared and be right. hysterical and like fuck off and fuck off. And I and I was able to really kind of, you know, through some very intentional work connect kind of my consciousness with my body and start to have that dialogue in an even greater way. And that's everything from, you know, I just threw a crazy 37th birthday party. And at some point in the middle of the night, you know, I go into the, go into the bathroom to go to the bathroom and, um, finish up at the mirror and I'm looking at myself. It's like, all right, body, you know, like, what would you like? It's like, well, no more alcohol, please. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And I was like, what about tobacco? It's like, uh, no, probably not, not any more tobacco, but I was like, I just kept asking questions and it was like, first of all, I need some water and then I need some minerals. And then at this time, you know, you can probably do that, you know, because you're going to be, feel and I had this like really cool dialogue, even in the most 
what could have been the most unconscious setting possible, but like a cool dialogue with my body that I was intentionally putting under duress. My body's like, no, I got you. Like, I understand what your goal is here, mm. you know, but if you listen to me, it'll make this whole thing much smoother. And it did. I had one of the best nights ever and it didn't destroy the weekend. And it worked out, you know, pretty ideally, but I don't think I would have had that consciousness to really, as my conscious self, my soul self communicate straight with my body removing my ego from the equation and, and saying, well, I want to do this or I want to do this or I'm scared about this or blah, blah, blah. Just creating that direct dialogue was fucking huge. Yeah. What does a low point look like for you these days? There used to be really low points. Yeah. Like really, really low points. And um, there are less of those now. There's exhaustion points. And those those tend to be, and I can go into some of the older low points too. Um, but right now it's just pure exhaustion. It's just losing the battle against the forces of entropy, trying to take my energy and disperse it into the projects and creations. Cause I just have a lot going on right now. Yeah. So sometimes I won't be mindful of that and I'll push too much out and not give myself enough rest. Like there was, you know, part of the time I saw you in Cali, I was going through that and it was just, uh, just sheer physical exhaustion. Yeah. And, um, that tends to be the predominant low point now but it used to be like massive self-doubt massive depression like crippling chest tightening anxiety that i couldn't find where it was exactly coming from it just seemed generalized um, massive approval seeking and fear around the the absence of that validation um, deep dark you know emotional triggers from my open relationship with my fiance like all kind. I mean, I've had all varieties yeah. of those different down points, you know, illnesses that I couldn't get to go away, sinus infections, whatever, you know, there's, uh, I think this might've been martini again, but some kind of little meme, if it gets repressed, it will be expressed. And yeah. I think that that's one of those interesting things like relationships. You could selfishly say every relationship is for your own self-development yeah you know and having a child it's like yeah yeah anything that that little dickhead ends up doing he's painting the walls or whatever it is like oh that's you that's the part of you that you're insecure or whatever it may mm -hmm. be and now here it is you have to deal with it you know we have those we can look at those moments as being kind of like you know like never waste a trigger is another thing i've, I've heard you know, mm -hmm. when you have that moment of like ah! it's not like oh fuck just like let's wig out it's like we can actually you know kind of stand back and and sit with that. Yeah. Use it as your sadhana, your spiritual practice. Yeah. No matter what you're, no matter what happens. Oh, okay. Here's an opportunity for growth. Yeah. So what was the dark stuff? The dark chest imploding stuff? Well, you know, I, I think I've always, I think I've always felt like I had a big mission and I was always really afraid of not living up to that, you know, like not living up. And, and I would externalize it in different people who would be like the external judges that either, you know, business partners or father figures or different people along that way. Uh, my mom was such a like overwhelmingly unconditionally loving human that I tend to project a lot of my validation seeking on the men in my life. Hmm. And, um, so, you know, I think that was part of it, but I think really it stemmed from my own fears of, like, I know I have a lot to give. And what if I don't, what if I don't do it? What if I fail myself? And what if I fail the world and really worrying about the outcome rather than just focusing on the process? Like all I can do is do my best, you know? And I think it goes back to me. It goes back to that warrior ethos of, 
it's okay if you go to battle and you get slain and you go out on your shield. What's not okay is if you're running away, you trip on a rock and get trampled. You know what I mean? Like, right. or take an arrow in your back because you're running from your, from your destiny. You know what I mean? Like, as long as I go through the process and I give it my best, that's all I'm responsible for. And then that, if I really anchor that, then all the anxiety just starts to melt. But then Bob Marley would disagree in his live to fight another another day. However, he says, warrior something, something. If you run away, you live to fight another day. What is that? Is that Bob Marley? <laughs> you guys might know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? yeah I think there is something to, to, to knowing when to be like, you know what? Maybe I should fucking get the hell out of here. Sure. Because <laughs> you, you don't want to charge. Yeah. You don't want to charge against the windmill. You don't want to like, you don't want to overexert yourself, but in totality, right. You can't run away from the big fight. You can run away from a battle, but you can't run away from your mission. Yeah. You know, like running away from a battle is just strategy. You know, as long as your mission is still to win the war, like look at George Washington, you know, if he lined up and went straight at the British, there wouldn't be a United States of America. Yeah. You know, like that's a stupid idea. So he would in and out flirt and go in and out and, you know, know the backwater channels. And that's just being a smart general, you know, but no one would ever say, oh, George Washington was running away. No, he was just. And I think that's what Bob means, really, is he's talking about those small battles. Like, know when to engage in the small battles, but never run away from your war. Never run away from your mission. Yeah. Wanted to take a quick break and thank our sponsor, Organifi, for supporting the show. Organifi is a rad company. I utilize their superfood blends on a daily basis. Um, holding in my hands the green juice right now, filled with all the green powders your little heart could desire, from uh, wheatgrass to spirulina to chlorella to matcha. Really excellent stuff. Highly recommend checking them out. They also do protein blends that are vegan, as far as I can see. So the protein they're using in here is pea protein, quinoa protein, and pumpkin seed protein. Everything's organic. Everything's delicious. Highly recommend checking them out. So go Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and utilize the Align code for 20% off. Organifi.com, Align code, A-L-I-G-N, 20% off. Get that stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in back to the show. Pow. You got some downloads from Selig. I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to, I think I've, I've logged maybe 15 hours or so of him channeling, uh-huh. Uh-huh. whoever he's channeling. What does he call him? There's the a guides. name for him. The guides, but then they have a Melchizedek. name for Perfect. Yeah, the Melchizedek's. Uh, when we were, when I first, when we first had the conversation in the meat body thing, um, I kind of checked myself because there was things that I actually disagreed with when I was saying like, you know, respect the meat body and all that. And then you kind of had a counter with that of, of you know, there is a lot beyond that meat body. And you mentioned there's like, I think you got it from selling. There's like five levels or something like that. Do you remember you mentioned something along those lines? There's like the, the big self, the small self. And then apparently there was like some tears that you, that he was mentioning. Uh, that's not from Selig, although I might have confirmed a few of my different thoughts. I was hoping to hear it in Selig. Thoughts, I was like, yeah. this thing? No, I think that was partly from the South American shamans that I've worked with and partly from Selig and partly me and the guides and partly me kind of piecing together my own kind of metaphysical 
understanding of things. So I can go into that if you Please. want. Please, yeah, I was curious about it. Yeah, yeah. And then you left, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so there's, you know, different levels of existence, and we exist in all of those different levels. So first, let's take our body, where, we at, where we're at right now, this material world, the sound coming in through your ears, life, you know, the, the chair that you're sitting in if you're in the car, all the, all the things around you, like existence in material form. Right, and then let's, that's one dimension. Now let's call that dimension one. And then let's tether that with an imaginary thread all the way through the dimensional layers. And let's tether that from our heart and tether that all the way through to what I call the unicity, which is all things. So imagine the universe collapsing back into a single point, which um, astronomically they believe happened for the Big Bang, this mm. collapsing of the entire universe into the size of probably less than a thumbnail. They don't know exactly how small it gets because it's all kind of theoretical at that point. Yeah. At that point, that's what I call the unicity. That's where you know, all of the known, all of the manifests, and also I believe as they're connected as above, so below, as Hermes Trismegistus says, all of the spiritual entities and everything collapses back into one point, which is God. Call it God, call it whatever, call it the universe, call it whatever you want, but I call it God. So we have one point here in the body connected all the way through this thread back to God as one expressed force without any differentiation. You know, everything, just a dense point of energy that is God. So that's the final dimension. Now we just got to piece in the layers in between, right? So because we exist at all those levels, there's the divine in us, there's that piece of the unicity that we carry, and then there's also all of the physical form that we carry as well. And depending on our identification point, we can identify as any of those in between. So then I think along down the line, there's the first kind of split between that God energy. And that first split is what a lot of in the New Age circles, they'd call the celestial realm. And that's like larger archetypal you know, groups, gatherings, kind of like collectives. Maybe think of them like continents. You know, if God is the world, these are like the continents, hmm. you know, and there's like the resistance continent, you know, and then there's the assistance continent, which could be Jesus and Lucifer, if you wanted to do like the initial two splits, you know, like the two hemispheres of the world, basically, right? And then there's different, you know, kind of larger archetypes that kind of come, you know, at that level. And then going down, breaking that down a little bit smaller. So you could call that one dimensional layer that you can access. And then breaking down an even smaller level, then you get to like what you would call the astral or kind of the soul level, which is an identity form that you carry <clears throat> that extends beyond this body and can interact with other beings, other entities. It's where the guides are from, basically. Right. Still retaining some form of personality, still retaining some free will, some choice, some interaction. But, you know, in this kind of quantum world, and I feel like I've traveled to that quantum world, both in meditation and in, in journey, and it's, it's really wild. It's not like 3d where things are happening it's like anything that you want to call to your attention comes to your attention and anything you want to dispel comes there so you're in full like black space but it's fully quantum hmm. and then you travel into form through the sacred geometry which is i think what you see when you go into psychedelic and that's part of the bridge that connects you to these other kind of soul level entities it's the bridge of light and the bridge of form takes you through the sacred geometry what you would call like maybe the lower astral and that you know chrysanthemum and then all the way back into physical form 
but we're all of those things where there's string tethered from that physical dimension that we're in now all the way to the unicity. And it just depends on our identification point as to where we are. Mm. I'm going to have to repeat that several times, I think. Thank, thank baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this is I, don't a podcast. I don't like, I don't explain that very often because I'm usually talking about more like practical I'm things. I'm sure I agree with all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, and again, this is based on like, it's based a lot on my experience and people might think I'm a fucking kook, but this no. is what I felt, you know? So. I mean, you're a kook, but not because of that. <laughs> I, think that I am for sure a kook. I think that's... I'm for sure a kook. So when we were at uh, Earth Cafe, I noticed you popped out your little, your little notebook and you were uh -huh. taking little scribbles what do you yeah. what do you put in there i mean i don't remember that particular scribble but it was uh, you were scribbling i was scribbling what yeah. was i what was <laughs> oh, going no, on not what was the scribble no i don't care what the oh. scribble was unless like, you remember damn, that's great damn, no 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 no, no, no. no just the, the practice of having a notebook scribbles like uh, yeah that was um any idea that i get that i feel like is advancing my own philosophy or advancing my understanding in a certain way um you know, I'll take it. And sometimes it's when I'm going through some kind of challenging thing and I'm figuring out ways to get myself out of a maze. I'll be like, oh, okay, well, let me notate this way to get out of the maze. Or sometimes it's, you know, a clever quote or an idea, you know, that I came up with or something that I could use as a, in a future book or a future post or, yeah. um, you know, generally, if I'm scribbling something fast, it's just a thought that occurred. And and I think, you know, honestly, working, um, you know, working with you that week actually opened up, you know, kind of set me up for another path that I knew I should take, which was like cool. elevating the body back to a to a priority position. And I think I was starting to get downloads regarding that, which was cool because, you know, you meet a lot of people and a, and a lot of the people, even the shamans, there's a form of escapism from the body, you know, where they're almost yeah. more comfortable in the astral than they are comfortable in their physical form. And that's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the whole puzzle. You know, like what are those, uh, the ascetics in India, mm -hmm. you know, who like just kind of let their body rot yeah. and they're just focused on their spirit. Like, okay, it's a choice, but I don't think it's the best choice. I think the best choice is to enjoy, enjoy the vehicle while you got it. The goal isn't to transcend the game. If you want to transcend the game, just fucking jump off a cliff. Like you can get, <laughs> out, of, you right can get out, you can get out of this thing pretty easily. You know, like if you want to live in the astral, fucking go, what's holding you back? Like go, fucking go for it. You know, but that's not the point. Cause this time that we live in and this opportunity to be in this body is fucking rad and it's worth it. And it's worth experiencing it to the fucking fullest. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just think this kind of obsession with getting to the end point, like, all right, hurry up if you want, but I'm going to take the slow road, you know, and I'm going to try and enjoy this thing as long as I can. Yeah. Selig talks about getting those little download ideas as being uh, kind of like gifts and you should, you, you should value it, you know, yeah. since like when you get one of those, those little ideas, I think we can kind of hone our instrument or our receiver and we'll start probably receiving better or worse ideas, um, ideally better ideas. Um, but when you get them, I think too often we just kind of let them go. We're just yeah. in that pattern of just like, oh, that might be a great thing, but I have my job to do. I'm just going to keep on working. It's up. so bad when you have one of those things and you let it go and then you can't Never resuscitate it. <laughs> you, like, somebody else, Aubrey Marcus grabs it. <laughs> now. Here's on it. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy when that shit happens. I don't know. I'll think about it. I'm like, what was that thing? So yeah, I always try to, I always try to at least get it down. And I tend to like not 
do anything with them until I'll have these periods where I can really catch up. And then I'll like take my whole journal and be like, all right, just sort through it, go to a Google doc and then type in everything that I have in my journals. I'll look through my voice notes and be like, Oh shit, there's some fucking gold in here. I just forgot about it. Um, but I know that at least if I get it down, no matter where it is, then, uh, I'll have a chance at, at, at getting it back. So I'm in that place now. I have two of my notebooks that I brought here, which I'm kind of like a hoarder of ideas and notes and all that. Yeah. And it's the organization of them that that's that's equally important to the actually receiving the idea. Yeah. You know, and I, I, so I wonder, do you have any practices around organizing? You mentioned Google Docs. Yeah, Google Docs are Google Docs are how I do everything. Like I don't I don't that is the home for me of all my ideas, written works, because it's available and accessible anywhere. And then I have, you know, like a folder structure that's kind of really set up. And um, that's the way that that's the way that I know that it counts. Like until it's in Google Docs, it's only half real. Right. And then once it's in Google Docs, it's like it's real. Yeah. And it exists. It's in the cloud. Do you do categories? Yeah. Tons of categories. So it's just different, you know, depending on what the idea is surrounding and what the format is you know if it's a fragment of poetry it'll go in the poetry section if it's a spiritual idea it'll go in this if it's for a future book that's uncoming upcoming it'll be in that you know i'll just keep a collection of notes like on love and delusion which is probably going to be my next book um i have a bunch of notes that i'm collecting there and yeah try to keep it all organized that's cool you write uh fiction as well I do. No, yeah, you can. I, man, I'd love to write fiction. One day, one day I'll, I'll earn my way into, into writing some fiction and having some fun with that. I used to write a lot more. I used to write, you know, short stories and long form poetry. And, um, I, I've written, I love writing fiction, you know, but now I've got, a, have got three books. Well, this one, and then two more in particular that must come out, um, before I really start engaging in fiction, but I did get sidetracked trying to come up with a uh, 50 shades of gray meets guardians of the galaxy, erotic fiction, perfect <laughs> novel, perfect. but you know, that's a real sidetrack. We've all been waiting real... for it. <laughs> you're like, I think you're the chosen one for that. Uh, yeah. Someone needs to birth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's tight. What's, what's the fiction that you're presently doing? Is that, that is the fiction you, you, you're like in a, in a, in a book right now with the fiction. <laughs> no, not really. In a I actually, well, while you were there, ironically, while you were there, I was actually writing my a piece of the, uh, guardians of the galaxy meets 50 shades oh, of gray product fiction, but it's not really going anywhere. Don't ask me for that people. I'm not fucking going <laughs> to release coming. it. No, it's coming. no, it's coming in June. No, it's not. <laughs> It's not, it's not coming. It's not coming. No one's coming. Just, just nonfiction. For so here. what's some of the standout stuff for you in the, the own the day book? Something that I, I, idea that I really like with it is focusing on one day at a time Yeah, and really drilling into that. I think sometimes we have these big ideas. I have my five year goal and my, you know, whatever, but then, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And most of the things mm-hmm. we do, we we're kind of like Doppler and shitty at yeah. like, drilling into that individual moment how i cook my rice is relevant to how i do the bigger stuff right you know is is that where did that idea come from with that i think it came from a frustration with like the existing 30 day 40 day 90 day programs that are out there that right. just get myopic they focus on one thing and you do that you know relentlessly but if you fail then you kind of have to start the program over and i just saw it not really making significant changes like to me you have to look at the whole system as interconnected 
And yeah. if you really want to level up, you have to do all of it to really get it done. But to do all of it over a long period of time, that's daunting. So all I'm saying is just do one day and don't even worry about the whole day. Just do it hour by hour by hour. Like I'll give you the first 15 minutes, do these three things, hydration, light movement, first 15 minutes. All right, next thing, power shower, breath and cold. Next thing, all right, substitute the sugar for fats. That's your breakfast. Next thing, here are the basic supplements you can take if you wanna take supplements. All right, next thing, here's your commute. You know, what are you gonna do in the car? What are the mindfulness and mindfulness? How are you gonna enrich your mind while you're traveling so it's not dead time? Okay, great. Yeah. What are the three performance enhancing plants that you can have to help you while you're at work or help you accomplish things? Okay, great. What's that? You know, what are workplace tactics? What are, what's lunch look like? What is a good nap look like? What is a training regimen look like? What is connecting with yourself and having a glass of wine? And how do you do that the right way? What happens if you drink too much? How do you counteract that? What's a good dinner look like? How do you get ready for having sex later? What kind of sex is going to expand the Stop. mind? Stop. <laughs> how do we get ready for having sex later? <laughs> That's, that's, we just that's that's that the longest chapter in the book by the way that is, is that, <laughs> maybe you just spent the longest on that chapter yeah so that i mean if you really want to go into that i mean it's like biological like how do you prepare the nitric oxide root like the raw components of biological uh stimulation nitric oxide is going to control actually the blood flow in your mm. capillaries which so, sun stimulates yeah which deal. sun stimulates yep. beets arugula pumpkin seeds watermelon dark chocolate red wine all of these things are going to basically turn on the gas for your blood flow and blood flow is sensation it's also erection and stimulation and actually happiness and a variety of different things so those foods mixed with sunlight mixed with actually laughter yeah, like if there's one. a difference there's a study i point out where if you watch a scary movie it actually slows down nitric oxide and if you watch a like a happy laughy movie it actually stimulates it so if you're trying to go to the movies and have some sex definitely go to a comedy not a <laughs> horror movie um, unless you're into some other shit, but, 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 uh, but yeah, I mean, so, all right, nitric oxide is one and then hormones is another huge one. You know, that's like the substrate that really is your sex drive, um, making sure that you're paying attention to your hormone optimization. Um, you know, from there, attraction. How do we do that? How do we look at hormones? Well, sleep is a huge one. Yeah. You know, you got to get your sleep and do your best. And again, I talk about napping a lot. So um, lifting heavy or sprinting hard, you know, the body likes adapting to those high stress loads with particularly, you know, testosterone and growth hormone rebounds that are going to be helpful. Um, you know, getting enough sunlight, again, vitamin D, and a lot of things. It's kind of like an accumulation of different things. And if you're a woman, be mindful of those things like birth control that you're taking that are going to dramatically throw off your hormone balance intentionally because it's really mimicking, you know, some pregnancy conditions to prevent uh, the egg from becoming available. So you're really tweaking your hormone balance quite significantly. And you know, birth control is a pretty amazing invention that I think a lot of us are grateful for, men and women. But at the same time, you got to be really mindful of what's the cost, you know, and what are you, what cost are you willing to bear? And um, so those are some basic basic tips. And then if you're a guy who's you know getting you know getting up there in age, or maybe you've been under a lot of stress, you know, get your hormone levels tested. You know, look at testosterone replacement therapy and check that out and test out check out what those other options are if the natural approaches just aren't working 
and maybe your sex hormone binding globulin is too high or maybe something else is happening, definitely check out those options as well. Because uh, as your hormones go, so go a lot of things, including your happiness, including your sex drive, including your viril, your you know desire to produce into the world. Yeah. I was reading uh, one of the unnecessary ideas that I've been gathering in my notebook that I need to sort out is a, a rat tickling study in Japan, which is where all the good rat tickling studies happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're into that freaky shit. <laughs> really, they're into it. And so, in between watching game shows where they have just a butt, <laughs> and then they have a contestant, and they have like a bunch of butts, oh, and they're like, "Yeah, let's play. Don't fuck your mother. <laughs> Ready, just, go." Aubrey and the guys like, "Ah, I can't tell which one's my mom." And then sure they end up fucking their mother. mom, and then they end up like fucking. <laughs> traumatized for life that's like a japanese game show in a nutshell that's like a real japanese game show is don't fuck your mom what was the special program that we had witnessed and well while you're in venice it was a, a japanese butt show of some sort no it was a out. it was like a butt buffet <laughs> it was like a butt licking it was like a butt licking buffet that's what it is yeah yeah so they just expose their butts through these little holes and then people come and uh feast yeah i'm gonna have to bleep this part out we're not gonna bleep words we're just gonna have like an extended bleep. <laughs> <laughs> but so with the tickle the rat tickles um pretty interesting stuff while they're tickling the rats it was four days that the before after uh testing they did from what i read and what they found was tickling these little rats they found neurogenesis so they're they actually started creating neurons new neurons in their brain which i think we used to think that was impossible um and you know natural killer cells and testosterone like all this stuff happens just from tickling these cute little rats you know, so we're doing all this shit, you know, and meanwhile, it's just like, wait, I have an idea. What if we just tickle the rats wow. and see if that has an impact? Wow. There's just going to be a tickling outrage. It's going to be linked to you. A this tickle, is, yeah, a tickle burst starting that's starting to, I'm going to tickle the fuck out of people now. Tickle them. Yeah. yeah. But I think that that's things. one of those things, again, where it's like getting out of the way of ourselves and just having a laugh. Yeah. You know, or totally. having a beer, or having a spit, or having a freaking smoke in a ceremonial tobacco pipe, which I had a lot of resistance yeah, against. Now I'm like, no, I think I like it. Don't take it so serious. <laughs> we're not as we're not that fragile. You know, like we're just not that fragile. Yeah, yeah we, we can, can handle it. Like yeah, we relax. Can it. Yeah. yeah, we're good. Yeah, get the hell out of the way of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, totally. What else? I stopped you at the sex thing. I'll probably yeah, stop you well, again and, once you say you know, sex. To go with the, go with the sex thing just to finish that off. Then attraction to an attraction modulation. Like we're always covering up our natural, you know, scent, which is one of the strongest sex, right? You know, sex attraction things that we have in our body available is the is these pheromones is the smell of another person and we're constantly masking that with deodorants and which are probably toxic for you anyways yeah. and other colognes and perfumes and other nonsense um so we're really giving ourselves no chance to really find both histocompatibility for having a baby but also the fundamentals of attraction you know like if you're attracted to somebody you, you got to know what they smell like. Like you got to, yeah. you got to like get back to the basics there. And we think we're doing ourselves a favor, but we're not because a healthy body smells great, you know. And if you, and really, I think we've become self-conscious of that. Other things, just communicating, talking. You know, we talk a little bit about power exchange and how that can facilitate flow states and transient hypofrontality, and how that can really be an awesome way to get out of your own head and get out of the way and experience like heightened states of connection and yeah. um, a bunch of different stuff in there. Yeah. You heard the T-shirt study? Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Where they had men wear T-shirts. I, I talk about that in the book. Yeah. Men wear T-shirts over and over again and then match up girls who are attracted to each different T-shirt. Yeah. I wonder if perhaps we, a part of our relationship dissatisfaction, if that's if that's happening, it seems like a lot of people experience that, may have something to do with the fact that we're masking ourselves from totally. our actual you know, genetic sequence. Totally. Like to early on like in the date... Like, just save yourself some time and sniff each other's armpits or each yeah. other's butts. Or the like, don't make yeah. it weird. Like, you know, just I give a little. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that if I could. It's just like, usually, like, first day, like, I don't have a lot of no, second dates. no. <laughs> it takes a special kind of girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with any of my lovers, like, like I. I hate it when they wear deodorant or antiperspirant yeah. or whatever. Like, all right, maybe spray like a really nice perfume every once in a while, but don't like roll on some fucking shit stick from CVS, <laughs> you know, like, but God, no, God, no, yeah, you know, yeah. and you don't need to take a shower after you go work out for me to go down on you. Like, that's just not, I, it's not necessary. I noticed that with, with, uh, females, if I'm not attracted, I pay attention. If I'm not attracted yeah. to the smell of their, their, any, any of the parts of say vagina, but the whole thing, mm -hmm. then I take that into serious account. Totally. Like, even if she's smoking hot, she's got a great career, she's funny, all that stuff. I'm like, I don't really like the way her pussy smells. I'm like, well, there's probably something there. Yeah. Is that and sometimes it's temporary. Sometimes you got to have a little grace. <laughs> sometimes you got to have a little grace and say, all right, you know, maybe she needs to up her yogurt. Maybe she needs to drop her, drop her fucking champagne. We you know, work with we need to, we can work with saying. this. Yeah. I mean, there's a little imbalance. Oh, in the day. We get a little imbalance. Up the coconut yogurt, drop the champagne. We'll, we'll get back in a week. We'll give it another go. But if it lasts a long time, you know, you might need to seriously consider it. But it's a fucking huge factor. That's a big factor. It's a huge factor. What else do you notice with women? What's, what are the things you're looking for? Um, Since you're an open relationship. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's really about, you know, I was talking about this earlier in the workplace, but it's also about, like, emotional hygiene. You know, it's like, yeah, what is, big. what what are they going to bring into an environment? Because I've, you know, I really want to cultivate an environment where people feel safe, where, you know, people don't contract. So if they're putting out fear into an environment constantly, and if they're putting out judgment into an environment you know, I can be pretty inoculated and pretty immune to it, but I don't want to be in isolation with this person. I want to have them engage, you know, with my life. And mm. if they're the type of person that can't help themselves but do that, you know, that's not a person that I'm going to find any affinity towards. Um, doesn't mean they have to have it all figured out. We're all going to have our moments. We're all going to have our shit. But in general, you know, they have to be able to, you know, work through some of their own stuff and, and get to that baseline of, just love and communication and, you know, seeing people through eyes that are tracking truth to some degree. Mm. How does one define emotional hygiene? What's, what's like, how do we even, some people are well, like, what the hell does that mean? All right. So if you have a cough and it's contagious and you don't cover your mouth when you're coughing around people, that's bad. That's bad hygiene in yeah. general. Like if you're just, <coughs> just coughing on someone's face, like sneezing on their own keyboard. Right. Like that's just rude. But we don't look at our emotions in the same way. Like if we're going through something, you know, that's time for you to, you know, just like when you're sick, maybe it is time for you to isolate yourself a little bit, work through your own shit. And if you yeah. need help, like you, we sometimes need help, you know, go to the friends who are, have that in their medicine bag that can really help you through those conditions. But it isn't your job to just spew that all over everybody else who's around you, you know, like that's bad emotional hygiene. For example, I got in an Uber the other day and there's this woman 
who is just filled with rage and just spewing her rage energy all over us as we got in the car, was honking at people the whole way. And that's just really bad emotional hygiene. Hmm. Like all of us yeah. are like, ah, and then everybody on the road is like, ah, you know, she just wasn't able to work through that on her own. So she just pushed that over everybody else. So we're all going to go through shit, but having good hygiene is knowing you know, when you can find somebody who has that kind of medicine bag to help you and when you just really need to keep it to yourself. Yeah. Recently I was, uh, went to this like dinner art thing with the girl. And then afterwards I was feeling a little bit drained. We were both feeling a little bit drained. Mm -hmm. It was bright lights and people trying to impress each other and all that. We got out and I was just like, Oh, and then I was, we were talking about, I was like, all right, well, we could like go do some dinner or something like that. And I kept kind of alluding to her, like, if you, if you want to just go do your own thing, it's okay. You know, you can, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. do that. And she kind of called me out on it. She's like, Aaron, like, it seems like you're put, like you want some time to yourself and you're putting it on me. And as opposed to just owning the fact that like, you're feeling like you want to have some space right now. Yeah, that's dope. You know, so be having that coming to that point with yourself where you're like, you're willing to speak up for what actually feels right. an attunement for, you know, your, you, your highest yep. good, yep. you know, but actually being willing to, to ask for it. And also being with somebody who can accept that without that being a massive blow to their very fragile ego That's where it. they've lost this validation. Like, Oh my God, he doesn't like me anymore. He wants to go home. He must not think I'm attractive. Maybe it's cause I stink. Did I stink? Maybe I need to roll some more shit stick <laughs> between, on my underarms. Between my legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard him on the podcast. Um, so, you know, I, and I think it goes, and that's why we have those fear responses because people are, you know, they haven't done the work to realize that it's not about you. You know, it's like, everybody's acting largely independently and all these things we think are about us are really not about us. They're really just projections and we're just a mirror or someone who can engage in that except in very rare circumstances where we can find that tribe where we really see each other and communicate at a deeper level of truth. But most everybody else is just, if they talk shit to you, if they, you know, write some shit online, they're talking about themselves, not talking about you. What they're doing is showing the world some insight into themselves, not pointing out some insight into you. But if you feel it, maybe you are a little insecure about that. You know, maybe that is some work that you can do to make sure that you're not looking for some external validation as well. Yeah. How do you handle and contain your own emotional hygiene? Well, to be honest, I don't think my emotional hygiene is like that great. I think, um, I've been pretty indulgent with like just letting my people deal with it. But fortunately, my emotional work has been very high. Right. So like I wouldn't say that I'm really good at at my emotion because I'm always around people. I got to show up to work no matter what. Right. Like I got to interact with 100 people a day no matter what. So I don't take the time as often as I should when I need to if I'm going through something and I do spill it out on people. Um, but I'm also really good at understanding the root cause of these emotions. So that doesn't show up in the form of anger, doesn't show up in the form of judgment, doesn't show up in the form of some of the really toxic stuff that leaves a heavy residue. Um, but I just, I'm constantly doing the work. I don't accept, I don't accept any negative emotion that I have as something that is necessary. Like I accept that as a transient position in my own prison you know, in my own prison and I need to figure out how to get out of that. Mm. You know, like I don't accept the hypothesis that I need to feel any negative emotion. 
And so I, if I see it and it comes up, then all right, this is on me. How do I get out of this? I have the tools. How do I get out of this? I don't, you know, it's a myth when you think you're going to change the external and that's going to fix your internal. Fuck that. That's yeah, that'll work sometimes, but sometimes you can't change the external. Sometimes there's things that can't be moved. There's things that can't be altered. So you better the fuck learn how to control your own emotions and control your own mind. Cause otherwise you don't have a chance. Mm. The sand has dropped. <laughs> we have a real hourglass. We have a real hourglass. On an hourglass. This yeah. is maybe the fact of the podcast. Hourglasses are originally derived from the fact that it actually takes an hour for all of the sand to drop. <laughs> yeah, totally. That was a new fact for I think all of us except for Aubrey. <laughs> Aubrey was on that fact. Yeah, I was I was I was keen to that. We got a real hourglass here. Um I can't wait to to help promote and support and all that. I enjoyed the the book and I look forward to seeing what comes of it, man. How do people learn about you and find yeah. all the stuff? Ownthedaybook.com. So go there, check it out. We got some cool book bundle options. I'm filming a video companion course that uh, that's going to be available with the book for anybody who buys a couple of them. But if you're interested and you're curious, there's just a ton of shit in here. You know, it's an accumulation of the best knowledge that me and all the people that I work with and a lot of people that you know and, and a lot of people we've gathered, it's the best we could put together. It really tries to cut through all the misinformation and really give a clear guided path. So I'm really proud of it. And I put my soul into this thing. So I hope, uh, hope people check it out and cool. enjoy it. Thank you so much. And then we're going to go jump over on your side. Yeah. Everybody's so. interested in this. Definitely check out my podcast uh, with Aaron coming up on the Aubrey Marcus podcast because we're going to fucking get into some other, more weird shit. Drop deep. Yeah, we're going to smell rolls. each other's crotches. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Already happened. Right. <laughs> Too late. Too All late. Right. Wrap it up. Podcast recording over. Pow. Later. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. There's some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at AlignTherapy.com and also on Amazon.com. Um, thank you also so much for or utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap through that link. We get a percentage of it. costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.